going to continue our series, and I will try to not be a long time tonight because it's already 7.30. Uh, somebody say, by faith. A couple weeks ago, just as a refresher, we talked about Abraham and how he walked in faith and had some hiccups along the way and, and really tried to execute the will of God on his own. You know, the Lord promises him a child and nations and sand of the sea and stars in the sky, and Abraham kind of takes, thing in, takes things into his own hands because he gets impatient. Tonight, we're going to talk about the life of Joseph. Somebody say Joseph. Talk about the life of Joseph. Uh, anybody ever been falsely accused of, of something? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, anybody else get a little, oh, yeah. Somebody said something about you or, or somehow a rumor uh, gets spread. Anybody ever watched Larry Boy, the rumor weed, right? Wow. Well, this is prophetic then. Uh, you know, what is, it's been a really long time. Like, I haven't recently watched it twice or even once, but I'm pretty sure that the words were, a tiny little story is all I need to make a big mess. I'm the rumor weed. Is that right? I got that right? I got some people that know it's true and they just don't want to admit it. Um, well, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And, and if you've had that experience in your life, you know it's not a lot of fun. And, and if you know the story of Joseph, you know how that plays into uh, his, his life and his walk with the Lord. Now, perhaps it was because of the love that Jacob had for his mother, Rachel, or it was the anointing that God had put on him from his birth. Maybe it was his personality. Maybe he was a, a natural-born leader, somebody that people looked up to, that commanded uh, you know, position in the family. But for whatever reason, Joseph was most assuredly the favorite son of his father, and his brothers knew it. They understood it. It wasn't a secret to any of them. And so it created a little tension in the household. Maybe you are a sibling and feel like there is a favorite sibling in the family. Lord, help us. Did I hear another, oh, yeah? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Now, for Joseph, this was, this was definitely the case. His, his family knew it. Created a little tension in the home. And so things became worse for Joseph because he was given this special gift by his father. It's the coat of many colors, as we call it. And it basically, it just affirmed that, you know what, his dad was basically like putting a, putting a big logo on him saying, this is the best one, right? There's all these other guys, and it's like, here's this coat. This is the best one. This is the one that I like the best. Now, if that happened in your household, you'd be like, hey, listen, like, that's not cool. I don't really like it. And really, that's, that's what happened. Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 to 4 is where we pick up the story. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And as, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And so this was bad enough, but, but things really kind of came to, came to an apex. They came to a point in the life of Joseph when Joseph began to have dreams. And Joseph, in maybe what we could consider hindsight being 20, 2020, looking back saying, hey, you know, he wasn't really being wise when he was doing this. Like Joseph also knows that he's the favorite. There's no secrets. Everybody knows it. And so Joseph... He has these dreams. Verse 5 goes on to say this, Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. Joseph, he dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him 
even more. And he said unto them, hey, uh, hear about this dream that I've dreamed. For we were out in the field, we were binding sheaves, and, and my sheaf, it, it rose and it stood upright, and, and your sheaves, they stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him, yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And so he's the favorite. He's got the coat. He knows he's the favorite. He's still got the coat. He has a dream. He's wearing the coat. He goes to his brothers with the coat, with the dream, and says, hey, I'm the favorite. And guess what? God likes me better than all of you. And they're like, man, like you got to relax. Like we don't like you anyway, and you're actually not helping us to like you anymore. So what does Joseph do? Well, Joseph, he has another dream, and then he decides to go back to them again just to reaffirm, hey, God likes me more than you. Verse 9, and he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I've, I've dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars, they made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and your brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. So at first, his father rebukes him for these dreams and the dreams that he's sharing with his brethren, certainly not helping creating unity in the household. But his father had a different reaction. He didn't just get angry at Joseph. Obviously, he loved Joseph. But he said, you know what? I'm going to write this down. I'm going to take note of what Joseph is telling me because maybe what he is saying in this season is for a season that is yet to come. And so there's some tense moments. Look at your neighbor. Say, there's some tense moments. And so as we continue through the remainder of the lesson tonight, just keep these stories in the back of your mind, these, these dreams that he had in the back of your mind, and, and it, they'll kind of correlate how it, it goes into his journey of faith and the fulfillment of these dreams. Now, Abraham's life, everybody listen up. I'm going to get your attention just for like 15, 20 minutes. Abraham's life, it performed a pattern. Abraham, he has a, a vision, an experience with the Lord where the Lord speaks to him. Uh, the death of the vision and then the fulfillment of the vision due to the intervention of God. Joseph, Joseph's life is kind of the same, but there's a few additional complications. Now, when we think about what Abraham did, Abraham messed up. God gives him this vision, this promise, and, and you know, all your children and your generations after you. And Abraham waits and waits and waits and waits. We talked about it. But at one point, he just says, you know what? I'm going to take the will of God into my own hands. God said he's going to do it, so I'm just going to make sure that it happens. And then obviously it causes you know, turmoil and, again, contention in the household. And then eventually, by waiting longer and longer and longer, the Lord blessed Abraham for his faith and had that promise come to fulfillment. Now, for Joseph... The difference between Joseph and Abraham is that really, outside of Joseph's lack of judgment, telling his brothers about these dreams that he had, uh, a lot of what Joseph suffered really had no correlation or direct link to his behavior. Joseph, for what we read in the scripture, was actually a pretty good guy. And so, other than telling the dreams to his brothers and having that be why they threw him into the pit, which we're going to talk about in a minute, none of it was really Joseph's fault unlike Abraham. Instead, the experiences that Joseph uh, faced in his life, they were designed by God to bring him into a realization of the destiny, the call that God had put on his life. All God required from Joseph was that he live out his faith with patience 
and proper attitude. Now, the Bible records that Joseph, uh, his father, sent him out on this errand. Go check your brothers. They're in the field watching the flocks. And so uh, Joseph or his father really didn't expect, guys in the back row, I need your attention up here. Joseph and his father did not expect to see, not to see each other again for decades. Genesis chapter 37, just a few verses later from where we were reading. Verse 18, it says this, And when his brothers saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh, and come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into the pit, and we will say that some evil beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And so we can look through the life of Joseph to this point. Here's really what happens. Everything that we've talked about so far, the dreams to cope, and now he's coming to his brothers. And his brothers, they devise this plan to kill Joseph. And so there was this suggestion by one of his brothers, uh, Reuben, to cast Joseph into the pit to avoid the shedding of blood. But really what Reuben was trying to do is actually, hey, guys, let's just throw him in the pit and we'll leave him. And whatever happens, happens. But Reuben, he actually had intention to go back and save Joseph. He didn't want anything to happen to his brother, unlike his other brothers. So he said, let's throw him in the pit and we'll go from there. And so what ends up happening is that Judah has this idea to sell Joseph into slavery. And so they, uh, Reuben doesn't know this, so he comes back to the pit to rescue Joseph, who he assumes is living, and he can take him back to his father's house, and everything is going to be good. But when he goes to the pit, he realizes that Joseph isn't there anymore. And so we can pick up the story of the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. Because the Lord was with him, and even when he was betrayed by his own family, he was sold into slavery, life was actually not as bad for Joseph as we might expect. Uh, Genesis chapter 39, verses 2, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper, in his hand. And Joseph, he found grace in his sight, and he served him and made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And so as as tempting as it may have been for Joseph to settle for this level of success, he is now on the up and up. Life really hasn't been pleasing to him for the last season, but now he's actually in a good spot. His, his boss, his master likes him, he trusts him, he's giving, giving him more responsibility, and Joseph is answering the call. And the more that Joseph does, the better it is. And so his master just keeps on giving him more and more to do. But in the back of Joseph's mind, there must have been something. There must have been at least a wonder that when his circumstance would change, because still at the end of the day, he had a master. He wasn't with his family, he wasn't in his father's house, he was still a slave. And so after all, how could the dream that God gave him come to pass when he was living in Potiphar's house in Egypt? How could what God promised Joseph come to fruition while he's in Egypt as a slave? Yeah, the circumstances aren't that bad for him. They're better than what they were. But he knew that it wasn't what God had promised him. It wasn't what God had shown him in those dreams. And so Joseph's answer would come in an unlikely turn of events, and that was his transition out of slavery, not into something better, but actually, again, into something worse, into prison. Everybody say prison. Prison is bad. What's worse 
Joseph was not caught during a lapse of his judgment or even while in the wrong place at the wrong time. Rather, Joseph was specifically targeted with a false accusation. Somebody said something about him that wasn't true. And because of his righteousness, he was kind of pegged for this. Because he refused to commit adultery with Potiphar's wife, she accused Joseph. She was making advances at Joseph, and Joseph refused her. And so she spun the story around and said, you know what? Joseph was actually coming after me. And so I, he, she takes his, his coat as evidence. Ironically, there is this, this different, differentiation of coats with Joseph. His brothers, they had taken his multicolored coat and given it to his father and said, your son is dead. And now Potiphar's wife is, is taking his coat and saying, this person tried to come after me. And he, he got away. He tried to make advances at me. And so there is this transition from Potiphar's house to the prison. From Potiphar's house to the prison. And really, for Joseph, he's got to be thinking, like, God has given me not one dream, but two dreams. And I thought it came to an end when I was in the pit, but then God brought me out, and it's been good. And now all of a sudden, everything that I've had and everything I've worked for is gone again, and now I'm finding myself not in a pit, but now I'm finding myself in a prison. Much like the blessings of God that followed Joseph into slavery, the Lord continued to bless him while he was in prison. Genesis chapter 39, verses 21 to 23, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all of the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Sound familiar? The same way that God blessed Joseph when he was in slavery is now the same way that God is blessing Joseph when he's in prison. Again, Joseph, he had the opportunity to settle for his lot in life and just say, you know what, I'm going to forget everything that God said. I'm going to forget everything that I thought I was going to achieve in the dreams and, and ever seeing my family again. This is my destiny. I'm here once again in captivity, in bondage, not in slavery, but now I'm in prison. I'm in prison. He could have easily given up on everything that God had shown him. But he acted out his faith in patience. Unlike Abraham, Joseph did not take matters into his own hands. Joseph just put his head down and trusted the Lord and worked and, and just tried to do good. All Joseph was trying to do was just do good. No matter what the ill will was towards him, no matter all the wrong that came to him uh, unjustly, he didn't do anything but all of this unfair treatment that's coming his way. He just put his head down and tried to be a good guy. Somebody say he was a good guy. Joseph was a good guy. And, and so two of Pharaoh's officers, the butler and the baker, they fell into disfavor with their boss, and so they're cast into the same prison as Joseph. And they both had dreams, and Joseph interpreted them. You may know these. The butler, he dreamed of three vine branches that he squeezed into Pharaoh's cup. And Joseph, he told him, he said this would mean that the butler would return to his employment within three days. And then the baker, he had a similar vision, similar dream. There was three white baskets that were on his head, and birds came and ate out of uh, the top of one. And, and Joseph, he's like, hey, listen, like this is a super awesome dream. Uh, you're going to die. You know, he's all excited. It's like the movie, right? 
The first guy is like, guess what? You're getting your job back. Three days from now, you're going to be back in Pharaoh's house. The next guy is like, man, I had a dream too. This is amazing. Tell me what it means. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're dead. You are going to die. And the truth is that the predictions, the interpretations that Joseph gave them were perfectly accurate. And the butler promised to remember Joseph when he got to Pharaoh's house. But after he got his freedom, he, he forgot about Joseph. Joseph just was a distant memory in his mind. And so for two years, look at your neighbor, say two years. Two years after interpreting these dreams, Joseph still remains in prison, forgotten by a man, but not forgotten by God. The butler may have forgotten about Joseph, the one that interpreted the dreams, but God had not given up or forgotten Joseph. And so soon, there was a miraculous fulfillment of his dreams that would occur, and the nation of Israel will be saved because of it. Just as God miraculously brought his promise to Abraham into existence, the same can be said in the life of Joseph. For the third time in the life of Joseph, dreams played a significant role in what God was doing. Remember, his journey into the will of God for his life began with the two dreams that he had. And then there were the two dreams that the butler and the baker had that he interpreted. And now, in this next portion of his life, Pharaoh himself has two dreams, and he calls upon Joseph to interpret them because nobody else could. Genesis chapter 41, verse 1. says, It came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came out of the river seven well-favored kind and fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and the lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored ones. And so Pharaoh woke up, and he slept, and he dreamed the exact same dream a second time. And behold, seven years of corn came up. One stalk uh, was good. Another one came up. It wasn't good. And the, seven ear, uh, the bad ones devoured the good ones, kind of skipping through here. And Pharaoh woke again because he understood that he was having two dreams back to back that meant something. Verse 8 says this. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the ma- ma- magicians. I was going to say musicians, but that wouldn't work. The magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. And so when Pharaoh finds himself with no available options for understanding the dreams which troubled him so much, Pharaoh knew there was something on the inside of him that said, hey, these are, these are very similar in nature. There's, there's so many similarities to them. Like this isn't just like one of those crazy pizza dreams. You know, I don't know if those are real, but they could be. It's not just some crazy dream that I'm having. It's not just coincidence, but I'm having dreams that mean something, and I'm actually worried about what they mean because I don't think that these could mean anything good. And so the butler, in this moment, he suddenly remembers a conversation that he had from two years ago, and he remembers That he told Joseph, hey, when I get back to Pharaoh's house, I'm going to put in a good word for you. I'm going to get you out of here. And he didn't. And so the butler in this moment, he said, I know this guy that interpreted my dream. I know somebody that when everybody else is failing, he can't give you the answers you're looking for. There is this guy in prison that interpreted my dream, and it came to fruition. And so after years of waiting, Joseph's faith was about to be rewarded. In one day, he traveled from the prison 
to the palace. And God set in motion the fulfillment of his promise. The Bible says that Joseph was brought hastily out of the prison and set before Pharaoh. And after hearing Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph first declared that he would not be able to provide an interpretation, but the Lord would provide the interpretation for him. Verse 25 of the same chapter says, Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years, and the dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh, he's placed with and faced with this tremendous challenge and also a great opportunity at the same time because his kingdom was about to endure seven years of a great famine, but he had advanced notice. The Lord was actually favoring Pharaoh in this moment, obviously indirectly favoring Joseph. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to have seven years of famine, but the Lord has been gracious enough to let us know and actually given us seven years to prepare for this trial. And so before Pharaoh had an opportunity to contemplate his next move, Joseph answered him. Joseph steps in. He, he voluntarily explained that Pharaoh had two dreams with the same interpretation, and he showed them exactly what the dreams meant from the Lord. And, and then Joseph uh, boldly proclaimed to Pharaoh exactly what he should do. Pharaoh's confused. His head is spinning. He's had these dreams, and, and a lot is resting on his shoulders. He's the leader of this nation, and he's got to make some tough decisions, and he's got to do them quickly based on the Lord's timeline. So verse 33 says this. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out for a man discreet and wise and, and set him over the land of Egypt and let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt and in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not with the famine. And so as Pharaoh is faced with this advice from a man that he had just met, a man that had just come out of prison, a man that he really didn't know, he decided to appoint somebody to the job that Joseph had recommended. And he decided to appoint Joseph himself. And this appointment led to the fulfillment of the dreams of Joseph. Here's what happened. For seven years, Food, with, food was gathered into the storehouses in Egypt, and then famine hit exactly when expected. And so Jacob and his family were affected by the famine and were at risk of dying from starvation. And so they traveled to Egypt to buy food, and in this moment they unknowingly bowed down to Joseph just as his dream had predicted. And so we can look at this and say, this is a up-and-down story. There are hills and valleys in the life of Joseph. And how did Joseph remain faithful to the Lord? Joseph was a man who patiently continued in faith, even when faced with seemingly impossible situations. Joseph, in his life, had every reason to begin to doubt God. In the pit, in the prison, it didn't look good. But Joseph just had this calm, and cool and collected attitude that he said, you know what? 
I know what God told me. I know what God showed me. And so I'm going to put my faith in God. We can come back to the music tonight. Joseph had patience. Everybody say patience. Unlike Abraham, who tried to rush the promises of God, who tried to take the will of God and put it into his own hands, Joseph was a man that said, you know what? I don't know what to do. I'm not really sure the right steps to take. I don't know why I'm in Potiphar's house. I don't know why I was in the pit. I don't know why I'm in the prison. I don't know why the butler forgot about me. I don't even know why God gifted me to interpret people's dreams. I don't know why I'm here before Pharaoh right now, but here's what I know. God gave me a promise, and what I'm going to do in every season of my life is just put my head down and do the best at what God has put into my hands to do. Joseph didn't just have a dream from the Lord, but he had a vision for his own life. We all, in some season of our life, will go through peaks and valleys. There is going to be highs and lows. And maybe for some of you, you have heard the call of God in your life. You feel the tug of the Holy Spirit, you know, calling you into ministry or equipping you to do something in the kingdom of the Lord. And you're not really sure what to do with it today. You're not really sure what to do with that call. And you go through life, and, and there will be seasons that are hard, and, and some that seem good. Hey, things are looking good. Maybe, maybe this is the season. Maybe this is the time that the Lord is going to use me. In every season, whether it's up or down, high or low, easy or difficult, the test of our faith is that we are patient. Everybody say patient. Joseph was patient. He didn't try to do it his own way. He didn't try to force anything. He didn't try to rush anything. He just said, you know what? If God said it, I'm going to believe it. If God gave me those dreams, I'm just going to believe that God is going to fulfill them how he wants to fulfill them. I'm not going to take it into my own hands. I'm not going to take matters and do it my own way, but I am going to trust God. Why don't we all stand tonight? For some of us in this room, Maybe we're seeking the voice of God. Maybe you're getting to the end of your high school years and you're not sure what step you want to take next. You're, you're wrestling, you know, do I, do I take a year off? Do I work? Do I go to school? If I go to school, what do I take? Do I go to Bible school? What do I do? And ultimately, what each and every one of us need to seek after in life is not what we want to do. Point at yourself. Point at yourself. It's not about what we want to do, but our ultimate prayer every day, every week, every month is God what do you want me to do? God, should I go to school? Should I be in that relationship? Should I work for a year? Should I go to Bible school? God, what do you want me to do? We need to seek after the purpose and the vision that God has for our life because God has a unique, a unique vision, a unique purpose, and a unique calling for everybody. Say everybody. Everybody has a call of God on their life. So maybe you're in that position. You're like, you know what? I'm not even sure what God is calling me to do yet. Like, like I am Joseph before he had his dreams. I don't know what I'm doing. Or maybe you feel the call of God on your life, but you've walked through some seasons where you're like, I just don't know how God could do it. I just, I don't feel like I'm in a good spot. Maybe you're struggling personally or, or life situations have got to you and you don't know what to do. Can I tell you that you just have to have the attitude of Joseph? Trust God and walk patiently. Walk patiently. Would you pray with me tonight as we close?
Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight. And God, we look at faith in such a great way, and we believe that you can do miracles and signs and wonders, and that is a component of our faith. But God, the component of our faith tonight is the faith and trust that we have in you. And God, we look at this story of Joseph, and I pray that the words that have been spoken and the word that has been read in this place would would sink deep into our spirits tonight to know that, God, you do have a unique vision and calling and a purpose for each and every person in this room. And the most important thing we can do before we seek our own will and what we desire and what we want out of life is to seek your face and to seek first the kingdom. And we know that if we do that, all of these things will be added unto us. And so I pray for every person in this room that if they are not doing this yet in their life, that each and every day when they cry out to you, that they would say, God, I just want to walk in your will. God, whatever you have in store for my life, I want it. And Lord, I pray for others in this room that have felt a calling and and they have felt direction in their life, but they are in a season where that calling and the fruition of that seems so far away. God, I pray that they would understand that spirit of Joseph that walked in patience and faith that you would fulfill the promises that you laid out. God, we thank you for your spirit that we feel in this room tonight and we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, as we close this service tonight. God, that you would open doors of opportunity for each and every one of us to witness and connect with somebody. God, we're again so thankful for what you did this past weekend, but we believe, Lord, that the treasure is in the field and that what you want to do in this church and in this youth group and in this city is so much bigger than we can ever imagine. So God, we pray this week that you would lead us to people who are hungry for you, lead us to people who are in need, lead us to people who are hurting. And God, I pray that we will be the salt and light to the world around us. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being in youth tonight. High five your neighbor. God bless you. We will see you this weekend. If you're a hyphen member, 18 to 35, we will see you this Friday night for our hangout at our house. You can find the address from us. God bless you.